Eats with sinners, uh, number two. This was, when we did this three years ago, this was the last one we did with, um, <clears throat> before the, the shutdown started. Uh, so, uh, um, uh, kind of give you a time frame of, of where that, how that all happened three years ago. And today, accessibility is the topic, if you're, if you're reading the book, uh, and I hope that you will. Um, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago about someone stealing the catalytic converter from our church van. Uh, uh, early in the morning, about 4 o'clock in the morning, on December the 17th, my birthday, and uh, Olivia uh, Thompson's birthday, um, uh, we discovered that it had been stolen the next day when a group of us were going to go caroling. And, we, and they, they piled in the van, and Daryl went to go start it up. And, of course, if there's no catalytic converter, there's no mufflers. So it's just straight out of the engine. Uh, and it's really, really loud. And so Daryl knew and everybody knew immediately what had happened. Someone had stolen. Um, and the reason I mentioned it a, a few weeks ago was, was because I wanted to point out that sin hurts both the person who sins and the person who has sinned against. Uh, you know, the, the, the man who stole the, the converter was caught the next day, I think, trying to steal another one at another place, uh, and he's going to have to face the consequences of his, of his sin, of his, of his crime, like jail time, perhaps. So it's not going to be fun for him uh, because of this choice to sin. Uh, but Stony Brook's also going to face some challenges because of his decision to, to commit this crime. Uh, we got to go through all the trouble of, of uh, getting the van fixed. Uh, we, we started that process by first calling the police. Uh, they came out and they did an investigation. They saw the, the new surveillance video that you will probably hear a little bit about at our congregational meeting later. Uh, so we got him on video uh, uh, when he stole it. Uh, um, uh, and then they wrote up a report. The police wrote up a report, so we got that. Then we had to call the insurance company to tell them what happened. Uh, they got a copy of the police report, and they confirmed that the incident actually happened. Uh, and then they began the claim on our policy uh, uh, and just sent it to whoever takes care of that, uh, of processing the claim and then eventually paying the, the check. Um, well, before long, I received an email from a guy in Richmond uh, acknowledging the claim and promising that he would give me a call soon to talk about it. Uh, I waited a few days and, and didn't hear from him, so I called him, uh, didn't get him, left a voicemail. Uh, a couple of days later, he did call me back, but I missed it, and he left me a voicemail. Uh, then I called him back and, and didn't get him and left another voicemail. Uh, and I was trying not to be like my mom. My mom would call every five minutes and leave a voicemail. <clears throat> the same message, you know, over and over and over again. So I didn't want to be like that. Um, but, but after I left this, this second voicemail, I didn't hear from him for a couple of days still. Uh, so I called him again. I left one more voicemail, one more voicemail. Uh, still didn't hear from him. Tried calling him a couple more times. Never returned the call. Um, so after about a week, I called the insurance company again uh, here in town to tell them where we were. Uh, I told her what had transpired so far with the adjuster. Uh, she said she'd call and see if she could figure out what was going on. Uh, she called back and she said that, well, they said they tried to call you uh, to contact you, but they didn't get you. 
And I acknowledge, yeah, that's true. They did call and left a message, but I've since followed up several times and, and hadn't gotten anybody. Well, about, she said she'd take care of it. So about an hour later, the adjuster called me. Uh, and he apologized that it had taken so long, but he had been out of town <laughs> for a week uh, and had, was just trying to get caught up. Well, I wasn't upset about it. I, I really wasn't, and I, I just was ready to get things rolling so we could get the van fixed, right? Um, so the adjuster said, well, here's what you need to do. Just get an estimate, send it to me, and I'll send you a check. <laughs> uh, it, it was pretty simple, right? That's all, we, that's all I had to do. And I could have done that a week ago, or two weeks ago, uh, but, but no worries, no worries, we, we'll, just, we'll just go from there and, and get it fixed. We could have gotten things rolling earlier if we had just had access to the adjuster. It could have been done already. But because he was unavailable for a week, we were delayed. The problem with it was accessibility to the person who could approve the, pl the claim and send us the check. Hopefully we can get things rolling now that we have access to the adjuster. This morning, as we continue our lesson series called Eats with Sinners, we will be talking about the importance of our accessibility to people in our lives who are lost. The idea of the series has been based on Jesus' mission here on earth to seek and save the lost. And one of his uh, primary methods of seeking the lost to save them was to do things like eat with them, to eat with sinners. He sought, Jesus sought to develop intentional relationships with people who needed him as their savior. Now, Jesus loved and cared for everybody especially those who did not know him, uh, people that the religious elite of Jesus' day referred to as sinners. Now, the religious elite were sinners too, but a lot of times they didn't think about that or consider themselves to really be sinners or at least uh, those kind of sinners. You know, they thought that they were above those who were outside of this religious world. They, they, they would not be caught dead with a sinner, especially eating with a sinner. Worldly people, uh, people that, didn't, uh, that weren't religious like they were. Uh, the, the, the religious elite did not care about the lost. Uh, they, they didn't give them a second thought. Uh, but Jesus did care about them very much. So much so that, of course, he died on the cross for them. He died for the religious elite, too. But he died for those who were lost, those sinners that the religious elite despised so much. During his, his ministry, Jesus didn't just avoid the lost like the religious elite did. No, he intentionally, intentionally went to them. And not to chide them, not to, to condemn them, but to show them love. And one way he did that was often by sharing a meal with them. That was a, a huge social event that you only did with people that you cared about. It wasn't like eating at parties with some person that just happens to be there. No, you, you made a, 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 
a point to go to share meals with people that you cared about. And Jesus would often do that. So if we want to be like Jesus, which should be every follower's goal, uh, we too, like Jesus, must care about the lost. It's our job to carry the mission of Jesus, right? Which is to seek and save the lost. And how do we do that? How do we carry out the mission of Christ to seek and save the lost? Doesn't it make sense that we just do it like Jesus did it? To seek out intentional relationships with the lost and do things like eat with them. Last week, we talked about the need to be men and women of integrity. That was the first ingredient. Uh, if we want to be like Jesus, if we want to share the message of Jesus with a lost person. Uh, it, it's vital that we be a genuine follower of Jesus ourselves. We, we must demonstrate to people uh, that we might seek a relationship with that we're the real deal. We're the real thing like Jesus was. That we truly love God, that we truly love them, people, lost people. Um, that they're not just a project for us that we can check off the box. Well, I did that. I shared Jesus with that person. Rather, that they're a precious soul to us. We truly care about them. Jesus demonstrated his integrity by his consistent resistance of satan's temptation we went through his three temptations in the desert uh, with satan and we must do the same if we want to have integrity so we can demonstrate to people in our lives that we're the real deal the second key ingredient to our goal to develop intentional relationships with people is uh, that we be accessible accessibility um, making ourselves accessible to people who are lost. Let me give you the ultimate example of accessibility. Uh, Matthew chapter 1, verse 22 and 23. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. Did you catch that? You know, God, the creator of the universe who made the stars and the galaxies uh, and the planets and you and me, the God of the universe decided to make himself accessible to us by, what? Becoming one of us, living among us. And why did Jesus do that? Why? To make it possible for us to then access God. Jesus removed the barrier of sin that kept us from God. Uh, because Jesus died as a perfect man, that obstacle of sin no longer exists between us and God when we put our faith in Jesus. God's desire is that all people see his salvation, have access, access to God. Luke 3, verse 6. And Jesus made that possible when he became one of us. Okay, Jesus paid the way for the lost to be found, right? Right? And then he turned the mission over to you and me to tell people about what he did for us. And, and it seems simple, right? You know, that, all right, that's our job. Just tell everybody about our Savior. That's, that's our job now, given to us by Jesus. Yet so often, 
we just don't tell everybody about Jesus. Why? Why don't we do that? Well, one reason is because many times obstacles block our way from doing it. Finding Jesus should be so easy for, for people who are lost. Yet because of the obstacles that we so often place in our lives, uh, the easy becomes unnecessarily complicated. How does that happen? How does that happen? Well, let's consider the ways that we do try to reach out to the law sometimes. We rely on people who are lost to come to us. If they come to us, if they walk through those doors and come to our service or to our Wednesday night or even to celebrate recovery, uh, if they come to us, then we'll tell them, ah, there you are, let me tell you about Jesus. We stand and we wait at the door and uh, we hope that, that one day they'll come. Oh, there's somebody, they've, they've come to us. We go about our day, we mind our own business, we silently try to, to live out our faith, to be people of integrity, waiting for someone maybe to ask us, where, do you, where does your hope come from? As they notice our lives. But what we find is those moments are rare, if they ever happen. People don't come to us that often, do they, and ask, uh, where does your hope come from? Why are you so joyful all the time? And then we think, well, at least we were there, at least we were ready, just in case they did, just in case they did come to, the, to our, our service. We'll continue to wait, just in case, just in case. In the meantime, while we wait, we isolate ourselves in, within the walls of our buildings and only associate with each other. And I'm painting a broad, with a broad brush here. I'm not saying that everyone is like this, but in general, Christians, that's, especially Mer American Christians, that's kind of how we work. That's kind of how we, we walk. We develop at as we are associating mostly only with each other, we develop our own language, our own culture, our own traditions. <laughs> and then even if someone did come to us, you know, they might think they're in a foreign country. <laughs> you know, because they can't understand anything that's going on. Because we're talking a whole foreign language to them. You know, what's that little cup of juice for? I mean, why, why are you guys drinking a cup of juice and eating a little cracker? What's, what's, what's the whole idea about that? Sanctification, justification, righteousness, tithing, New Testament, Old Testament. What does all that even mean? Our method is we'll wait till they come to us, and yet when they do come to us, the whole thing is confusing. If that's all we're doing is waiting for them to come to us. One, one thing we see about Jesus is that he never sat back and waited for lost people to come to him. No, Jesus made it simple. Uh, he, he, he had no programs. He had no script. Jesus went and found lost people. Uh, he, he, uh, he went to their synagogue. He didn't wait. He didn't go to his synagogue and say, well, I'll, I'm here in case you want to know about me. 
he went to their synagogue and he found them there as he reached out to his fellow Jew. Jesus went to their workplace of the lost. Uh, like Levi, the tax collector, he went to his booth and he talked to him in Luke 5, 27. He even found one lost guy in a tree. <laughs> Zacchaeus, Luke 19, 4 through 5. As he's walking down the road, there, oh, there he is. What are you doing up there, Zacchaeus? Come down here. Let's go to your house and let's eat. Jesus found the lost wherever they were, and then he found ways to touch their lives where they were. He didn't allow the obstacles of this world to stand in his way. So what are the obstacles that keep us from doing that? Finding the lost, loving them, ministering to them. What are, what are some of the obstacles? Let's talk about one that I've already mentioned. Isolation. Isolation. I think it's a big one for especially, again, American Christians. Many live their lives as if everything we do as Christians got to happen in this building right here or some other church building within the walls of this building. You know, while we might say that we understand that the church is, is not a building, it's the people. We're, we're the church. Uh, we act often as if the church is this building. And we do that by limiting the body of Christ to one spot, to one location. 3502 Airport Boulevard. <laughs> if someone happens to find that spot, we're here for you. We're going to tell you whatever you, you want to know. We're going to love you. We're going to reach out to you. But you've got to find the spot first. If not, if you don't find the spot, then I guess, you know, it's too bad. The New Testament describes the church as not a building, but, of course, the body of Christ. Romans chapter 12, verse 4 and 5, Paul writes, For just as each of us has one body and many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, through many, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. You know, we are, we're a group of people who serve Christ together. What does a healthy body do? If we're the body of Christ, what does a healthy body do? A healthy body moves, right? A healthy body doesn't just sit on the couch and eat potato chips. Uh, that's what a, uh, our bodies want to do a lot of times, but if we're healthy, that's not what we do. No, a healthy body moves. Uh, it, it's not fixed to one spot. In, in fact, our spiritual life is often, how is it often described? As a walk. One of the greatest exercise uh, routines is just walking. I love to get out and just walk around my neighborhood. Steve Hattie was talking about how he's doing that a lot to, uh, recently. Uh, we, we, we like to walk, and that's a, it's a good way to, to keep the, the body healthy. Spiritually, we must walk. Galatians 5.25 says, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. We're moving. We're moving. The body of Christ is designed to move, both spiritually and physically. We'll move where? Uh, if, we're, if we're following Jesus, one of the biggest places we need to move is where the lost are. That's where we need to move. Being together as Christians is, is important, uh, very important in our walk. Yeah, we do need to get together at, 
and, and have times of refreshing, like a worship service, a, a time of learning, a, a time of fellowship, as we do uh, on many occasions, like last night with game night. And, but that was also a time to, to, to reach out to the lost as well. But if we find that that's all we ever do is just meet together and learn and fellowship, um, we're allowing, allowing isolation to be an obstruction. If you know someone who is lost, how can you reach them where they are? How can you reach them where they are? At their workplace, um, at the gym where you go every, every day or every other day, at a soccer game, a kid's, your kid's soccer game, uh, across the fence with your neighbor, in the community. Where can you go to reach them? Because you've got to go where they are. Author Aaron Chambers, uh, who wrote the book Eats with Sinners, uh, as a minister himself, years ago, found that he did like many of us do as Christians. He was only associating with Christians. When he realized that, uh, that he rarely encountered people who were lost, even though he was a minister, uh, he intentionally decided, I've got to found, find ways to get out of this building that I serve in. And one way he did that was he decided he would be a volunteer coach at a local school, private school. Uh, and he said through that experience in doing that, he made a, a, a relation, started relationships with, with students and their parents he got to know them. He got to demonstrate to them that he truly cared about them uh, in, uh, as, he, as he developed relationships with them. And on several occasions, he had a chance to then share the message of Jesus with the kids and especially with their parents. You know, let, let, let's face it. Many of us tend to isolate ourselves in our buildings and only associate with each other. Let's just be honest and say, that, yeah, that's true. It really is. So if that's true, what can we do to break out of this building <laughs> and get to know people who are lost? How can we intentionally go to where the lost are and get to know them, love them, demonstrate our love for them, meet their needs? And then share the message of Jesus with them. How can we do that? Maybe it's volunteering out in the community um, with the Red Cross. We've got Arlene does that. Uh, Hope Station, Carla has been doing that. Uh, Soup Kitchen, Dick, Dick does that. Um, also with a, a veterans group that he volunteers for. Um, coaching a soccer team at the rec. Uh, Volunteering at a school. How about this? Inviting a neighbor over for a barbecue. Sharing a lunch with a co-worker every day. Someone you know is not a Christian who is lost. You know, many of us might have relationships with people who are lost, but it's not the kind that we're talking about. You know, all you talk about is football and, and kids and work um, we need to take these relationships that we have with the lost and, and 
and bring it to a different level. We're calling it an intentional relationship. An intentional relationship uh, is, is one in where we develop a relationship with a person with the intention of one day sharing Jesus with them. And then, one day, we do it. <laughs> we do it. Let's, let's all be honest with ourselves. How many of us have that kind of relationship with someone in our life right now? Many of us might literally be locked in our isolation uh, when it comes to intentional relationships with the laws. Um, and so we're going to have to be creative about it. If we're not, if we don't have intentional relationships right now, we've got to decide, okay, how can I break out of this? And so we've got to literally think outside of the box. And when I say box, I mean this, this box right here. <laughs> the four walls of this building. How can we think outside of the box and find a way to develop an intentional relationship with someone who's lost? And, and I'm talking to myself as much as I'm talking to any of you because I'm not real good at it myself. You know, I'm a lot like Aaron was before he finally broke out of his box. You know, I, I, I'm the minister here, and, and I minister to you guys, and that's a big part of my job. Uh, but the truth, it, the truth is, I mostly just hang out with you guys and my, my church family, which is, is good, but I need to do more than that. I don't have a whole lot of friends out there that are lost. I, you know, I, I don't work out in the community and, and have lost coworkers like many of you do. And so I've got to really be creative, and I need to... I need to take some steps myself to do that. I can't be satisfied with, oh, well, I'm the minister, and I got you guys to, to look out for. I'm looking for some ways to change that. And I challenge you to do the same thing. In order for me to do that and for you to do that, we've got to be ready to do what's, what's really hard, step out of our comfort zone. It's real comfortable being here on Wednesday night just with you guys. I'm, that's not a problem at all. I love it. I enjoy it. It's another thing to intentionally go out to an area that's not quite as comfortable. I got to be ready and you've got to be ready to invest the time and the energy that it's going to take to develop a relationship like that. You know, here's the thing that we can discover about an intentional relationship. You can't have an intentional relationship with one visit or one encounter. That's not a relationship. Uh, no, it takes time. It takes energy. Uh, it takes building trust uh, and integrity. So while I pray and look for opportunities, I pray that you'll do the same thing. You'll do the same thing. Let's break out of this box together and be more like Jesus. And let's not give in to the excuses. Uh, other excuses might be, I'm too old. Uh, I'm too young. <laughs> I'm too busy. I just don't have time. You know, those excuses are really just more examples of obstacles 
that we allow to keep us from following Jesus. Remember, we don't have to have a relationship with everybody. Maybe we look out at, at people that you work with. Man, there's so many lost people here. I can't reach all those people. You don't have to reach all of them. Just start with one. Just start with one and go from there. One person at a time. That's the way it works. You know, insurance adjusters, they go out of town sometimes. <laughs> uh, they go on vacation, or maybe they're sick and they get COVID and they're isolated for a week. You know, and if they're not there, if they're not accessible, then they can't be there to help you and settle your claim so that you can get your van fixed. That can be a challenge. You just got to keep trying until you get it done, until you catch them and talk to them. You know, and it's the same way with those who are lost. It can be a challenge. I, I understand that as much as anybody. It can be a challenge to reach them. But we just need to keep trying, or maybe just try in the first place. We must be willing to go where they are and, like Jesus, find ways to love them, to minister to them, to do things like eat with them. So let's take the challenge and be accessible to people who need Jesus. Father God, I thank you for um, the, the lesson of Jesus who was willing to go wherever he needed to go, to do whatever he needed to do, to reach those who needed him. Um, to go to a workplace, to go to a synagogue, to, uh, to look up in a tree. Lord, might we think about it and do the same thing? I think so often we just don't even think about it. We're so busy doing what we're doing, uh, doing church, doing, doing the things we do together, that we just really don't think about the loss like we should. Help us to... Help us to be mindful of the lost every day as we walk out in our community, go to our workplace, go to the gym, go to wherever we go and encounter people. Help us to be thinking about, is that a person that I could reach out to? Is that a person that I could love? Is that a person that I could share Christ with? Uh, and then, with your help and your guidance and your strength, make plans to do that. Uh, help us all to do that, Lord. And if we do, uh, boy, uh, we're going to multiply your kingdom and people are going to be saved. So bless us, Lord, as we seek to eat with sinners. In Jesus' name, amen. Good to have you here today. And uh, if there's somebody here today on Facebook that doesn't know Christ, uh, since you are here, the little cups are representation of Jesus' blood and the, bread, the little cracker represents uh, the body of Christ, and we, we take those to remember him by. That's what Jesus called us to do. That's what that's about. Uh, but even more important, you need Jesus if you want to spend eternity with God. And, and it's so simple, and you can learn more about it uh, if you want to talk about it more. But you just, just if you believe that Jesus died on the cross for you, acknowledge that. You can come forward this morning or come talk to me later if you're on Facebook. And, and just acknowledge, I believe that Jesus is my Savior. And decide you're going to turn, you're going to repent, you're going to turn from the way you've been living and start living your life the way God wants you to according to his word. Be baptized. Uh, we have a baptistry back here. 
where we could take care of that uh, very quickly. And once you come up out of that watery grave, your sins are forgiven. You have the gift of the Holy Spirit. You need to learn more about what that means. Uh, it's a very important thing. Um, so if you need to know more or you want to give your life to Christ, why don't you come this morning as we sing?